Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the Old Testament lesson, the account given to us by Isaiah of this wonderful feast. Well, before Heidi and I got married, my older brother Bill came to me and he had some advice for me for the wedding day. We're all excited about everything and and, uh, how everything was going to go. And he says to me, Steve, you know, something's going to go wrong. Now, that's not exactly the advice that I was looking for, right? You don't want to hear that something's going to go wrong. But what he was really wanting me to let me know is that when you have a special event, not everything goes as planned. And what he really wanted me to know is don't let it bother you. Enjoy the day. And that actually was pretty good advice. Because when you think about a wedding, it's a day of enjoyment. When we read the Old Testament lesson, it's a feast of pure joy. But where does the joy come from? What gives the feast its joy? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the, the feast that is provided, or provided by God in Isaiah. And we'll see that, that there's three aspects that, that, that bring about the joy. There's the occasion. It's the people who are there and when it takes place. And it's important for us to do this because this feast that Isaiah speaks about is the feast that you and I have been invited to. We get to be part of this feast. And so what's the occasion for this feast? What what is it that brings it such joy? Isaiah, toward the end of the text, says, This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. This is a feast of celebration, a feast of victory, a feast of, of salvation, of God's salvation. That's why it is joyful. It's a feast to celebrate God's saving actions for His people. What God expresses in His love for them and brings to them. And the description of the feast matches this, right? When Isaiah speaks of, of rich food and well-aged wine, it's, it's a celebration that, that knows no bounds and no ends. It's the best of all, nothing is held back, because it's about the full enjoyment of God's wonderful blessings. And as Isaiah speaks and describes this feast, it's a reminder of the Lord's great love for you, that he would want you part of this, that the Lord wants you to enjoy and to celebrate and rejoice in all the gifts and all the blessings that are yours through him. And so the occasion is a reason for joy, but also the party list is a reason for joy. For for many people, a celebration, a party, a feast, this is what's most important. Who's going to be there? The people that you love, the people that you rejoice over. Well, in the text, Isaiah said, the Lord of hosts will make for all people. And that's why I said that this text is directed toward you. That when the Lord says through Isaiah that this is for all peoples, it's for you and for me. The Lord wants us part of this feast. That is his desire. And Jesus even builds on this in the gospel lesson when he talks about the parable that they send out to the, the far corners of the byways and the highways to bring people in. God's desire is for people to be there to rejoice. But this is pretty amazing because while we're invited, we don't deserve the invitation. And, and even as Isaiah describes the event, he reminds us of that. Isaiah speaks of a covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. What's the veil? What's the covering? It's sin. 
We are covered in sin. Our nature is, is full of sin. We are by nature sinful. And this covering of sin separates us. It's not an accident that he uses this terminology that you think back to the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what did they do? Covered themselves and hid from God. This veil of sin that we see Isaiah speak about is a veil that separates us by nature from God. We're created by God to rejoice and to celebrate in Him and to worship Him. And yet, because of our sinfulness, we do not. We don't worship the way we should. We, we don't find God at the center of our life the way that He desires. We don't love Him above all things the way that we're called to. We're separated from His holiness because of the ugliness of our sin, the covering of sin. But that covering of sin not only separates us from God, but it separates us from one another. But sin is what divides. Any division that we have in our life, it's because of sin. Any division with God, any division within family, within friends, within community, it goes back to sin. And it takes many forms in our life. Think about all the things that we do. We argue, we bicker, we call names, we gossip. We can go on and on with the list of the things that, that we do, that we find in our life, that pushes people away. It's because we're in that covering of sin. That covering of sin that separates, that divides, that pushes away. And because of that covering of sin, we don't deserve to be at the feast. And yet, the good news, the wonderful good news for, for us today is we're invited anyway. You are invited anyway. Because God makes a promise about this veil in verse 7. He will destroy on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. God made a promise through Isaiah that he would destroy sin. Notice it doesn't just remove it, it's going to be destroyed, it will be taken away. God himself would be the one who would remove it, because we could never remove it. And that's exactly what was done in Christ. Christ destroyed death when he died. He destroyed it when he rose. Death no longer has any power. Sin no longer has any power. Because the ultimate weapon of sin is death, and that has been destroyed by Christ. There is a resurrection and a life that belongs to us. And that's the picture of the feast, right? The picture of the feast is life and celebration and joy that is found. That because of what Christ has done, we are forgiven. We stand holy and righteous before God. So now we can enter into the feast. We can't come in there on our own terms. We come in there because we're covered now in Christ and His righteousness, not the veil of sin. We've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. For whatever sin, whatever failure, whatever bickering, whatever arguing, Whatever sin toward God or toward one another has been covered by Christ in the cross. And together, we are all welcomed by God. And keep in mind, if that covering that separates us from God has been removed, can't that also the covering that separates us from one another? We're able to love and rejoice with one another because of what God has done for us and the love that he shares with us, a love that we are able to share with one another. And so indeed, the, the joy is found in the occasion of this feast. The joy is found in the fact that we are part of this feast. 
but also the joy is found in the time of the feast. When will this feast take place? What's the first reaction you have? It's, it's eternal life, right? Isn't this a picture of eternal life? This is a text we often use for, for a funeral because it is a picture of the, the eternal wedding banquet feast that, that Jesus uses as a parable, that one day we will be there where Isaiah says, he will swallow up death forever, that death will come to an end, and that the Lord in conquering death gives eternal life, a life in which we never die but forever enjoy the presence of God. We'll be given a new body, a glorious body that will not grow faint, will not grow weak, but will last eternity. And along with that, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. What a wonderful promise of eternal life that is offered to all who believe. That having conquered sin and death, he has removed the cause of the tears. He has removed that which brings grief and sorrow. He is able to wipe away the tears from our face. And so we look forward to that. But Paul reminds us, we don't have to wait. It's already begun. Paul tells us that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is here today. As we gather here in this church, Christ is present, and he's present in a special way. And he's invited us to a feast, a foretaste of the feast to come. It's already begun. He is here in a special way in which he gives to us the blessings of life and salvation with the intention that we take this with us as we leave, that the Lord is at hand. He is here to bless us with his presence, to unite us to himself so that as we go, he goes with us. The feast has begun. The Lord invites you to his table today. He is present. He is present in his body and blood as it is offered in the bread and the wine. And the blessings that that body and blood earned for you on the cross are yours. As you participate in this feast today, you are forgiven. You are loved. You belong to the Lord. Today we participate in that victory over death. And so the promises given to us of the feast in Isaiah have already begun here now. He already is wiping away the tears from our eyes, is he not? By telling us those things that we are sorrowful over, those things that we grieve and those things that we mourn, the Lord tells us will not last forever. That, that he has conquered sin and death and that, that those who we lost will be brought back to life, that we will enjoy their company once again. And, and that as we go through life and we face those things that are difficult, we do not do it alone. The Lord is there. Although the tears are not completely removed, we have comfort. We are comforted by our Lord who loves us, who's already shared the victory for us. He is here. And he even understands our tears and our griefs and our sorrows. That's why he's able to supply what we need in the moments of our difficulty. Again, what a wonderful, joyful feast is pictured. I mentioned my brother told me that not everything is going to go right. He was right. But it's kind of funny, the things that, we, that didn't go exactly right are the things we still laugh about to this day. It didn't rob us of the joy because of the occasion, because of who was there, because of what was taking place. And no one can rob us of the joy of the Lord's eternal feast. 
Because no one can take that away from you. The Lord is present with you now and will be forever. We look forward to that time when we will be all reunited with those who have gone before us and those who will come after us. The joy of heaven is found in him. And if it relies upon him, it will always be ours. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.